Travis, that was such a good word. Um, I love that. And Jessica, um, one of the things this morning that we have is the favor of God. It's ours at our disposal. Um, just even this morning when we were worshiping to that last song, I just felt the presence and it was like, the king is here. Like he is here. The king on the most high is in this room right now. Um, and we're gonna do a lot of asking and receiving today. Um, so this is gonna be amazing. The king is here to hear our pleas and our requests. Um, so on Friday, I got the honor to pray with um, a bunch of women um, for the nation and just intercede um, on behalf of the nation and just for ourselves and to experience the glory of God with one another. And so one of the themes the Lord was giving us in the moment was um, waking up, right? Like waking up of the church, waking up of dry bones, that we would be um, awoken up to the Lord, that the nation would wake up. Um, and so God was giving us this theme. And so in the middle of that, when we were praying, I just heard the Lord say, the best part of waking up is favor in your cup. You know, like that jingle. So when the Lord gives you a jingle, you know, it's good. Um, so it's just like we, when with the church, and he just started speaking to me about it. Like when we start to wake up, we're waking up to the favor of God. Like what a better way to wake up, you know, like in the mornings when you're trying to wake up, the first thing you need is coffee. Well, the first thing we need is Jesus. And we've got the favor of God for the rest of the day to get us through. Um, and so it was wonderful that the Lord gave me that because he had been speaking to me about Esther and favor throughout the week. And um, a couple weeks ago, I preached on faith. And so what a beautiful way to wrap up faith with then stepping into the favor, right? Like when we put our faith in God, um, we receive blessing and favor from on high. Um, and so we're going to just take an aerial view of Esther. Esther's a book in itself, and there could probably be a million sermons preached out of Esther. But we're just going to look at three defining moments um, of just things that I really feel like the Lord, what he wants to say to us, and how favor is going to be such a powerful tool in our life, the influence that we've been given from God here on earth um, will hopefully give us some breakthrough as we leave today. I know it's given me breakthrough even this week on certain stuff. Um, so Esther, I'm not going to go too long into the, the overview of it. Many of you guys, if not everyone here, knows the story of Esther. So Esther was an orphan Jewish girl where, where the story opens up where the Israelites had gone into exile. So they're in exile. They were first taken by King Nebuchadnezzar. They've been there for a while because now when we open up the story of Esther, Persia had defeated Babylon and now was the ruling and reigning empire at the time. Um, we see a few key players. We have Esther, um, who we all know, Mordecai, her uncle, who actually adopts her. And then we have Haman, who represents just the enemy, um, evil schemes, the plot to stop God's plan. Um, and then we have King Xerxes, who was the king at the time of Persia. Um, so one of the defining moments, so I, three, um, was when Esther actually becomes queen. So first we have to realize that Esther was an orphan, right? So why God would have chosen her. So in this time, the um, king of, we know that Vashti didn't obey. And so she um, was 
exiled and there was room for a new king. So normally kings at this time would have gone to other ruling families and picked someone that had already been in royalty. So the fact that they had issued a decree for all the virgins, the most beautiful virgins in the land to come for the um, king to choose was actually not normal during that time. So we already see God's hand in this, that God would have chosen orphan Esther and start preparing her for a place of royalty. Um, That was all part of his plan. Um, And so for us, and I'm going to kind of go back and forth of the story and then how it implies to us as a people of God. Um, So like Travis was saying before, like we are being prepared as the bride, right? So Esther was a time of preparation. It was like up to a year where she had to prepare herself to be in the presence of the king. But this is the work that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. Like we are being set up for favor. Like we already know the end of the story that we're being set up for this. We're being set up for a wedding at the end of times with King Jesus. Um, But before, one of the points I want to make in this defining moment is that before Esther even had favor with the king, she actually had favor with um, Haggai, who was a eunuch over the harem. Um, So Esther got the best of the beauty treatments. Um, She got the most special food. And I feel like there's a key in here for us is that like we need to follow the favor. So where God has put you now um, is places of influence. So start asking yourself, where has God put me now that I have favor? right? We want to follow the favor. We want to follow the places of influence that we have. Um, And that, you know, he has brought us out of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves, right? We were all orphans, right? So Jesus is preparing us for this royalty. That's what he's doing in the church right now, like Travis is even saying earlier. He's preparing us for greater things, but we don't want to despise the little things. So start asking, if you feel like you're in a job where you're like, Lord, or in a place, or you're at home with the kids, and you're like, Lord, what am I doing with my life? Start asking him, where do I have favor? Where do I have favor with my friends? Where do I have favor with my coworkers, with my boss, with my local government, right? So it's like start seeing places of influence because that's going to start preparing you for even greater influences and favor in the times yet to come. So we want to be responsible with the favor God has given us now in the city of Athens, right? I can't, and he spoke to me because I feel like um, this is an example of my own life. It's like for a long time, many of you know me and Greg's story. We're in Africa. I have such a heart for the nations. I would go back overseas today. I'd get on a plane and go. Like my heart is to just be there. Um, but I've really felt like the Lord has had me here. He's had us here for three years since Africa. And then even this week, he's been telling me because all this stuff is happening in America. And he was like, Brittany, I want you to be here for what is yet to come because what I'm going to prepare for you is actually going to be what you take out, right? So what I need to learn here and what he's doing in my influence that I have here is actually preparing me for what he has in my future. So I don't want to miss that, right? I don't want to miss the small opportunities of influence, right? So Esther had to embrace the favor she was given by the eunuch, Haggai. Um, so that was the one, the one moment just to encourage you guys, like don't get stuck in that place. Like God has favor for you in your job. Um, so Esther, we know she is chosen, she is favor, um, and she becomes queen. So that was like the first moment of the story was that time. So there's been some time that has passed um, when we get to the second part of when Esther was made king. Her identity was still not revealed that she was Jewish. Um, an edict 
to annihilate the Jewish race was given out by Haman, who is really interesting because um, when we are obeying God, because Haman actually came from a descendant of Agag, which is the king of the Amalekites, that Saul was told to wipe them out, or, and then he didn't. He disobeyed the Lord, and then God said that they're going to be a pain basically to your side. Um, and so it's really important that we listen and obey the Lord because it affects future generations, right? That's why we're praying for the nation right now because we know that like what happens now is affecting future generations. The disobedience that is happening now affects future generations, right? So we want to make sure that, that we are interceding because what we intercede for now, our influence and favor now is going to affect all the generations to come. So you play a very important role in the providences of God. And so he wants us to be a part of this. Um, so Mordecai, Queen Esther's uncle, he finds out about the plot to kill all the Jews, right? All the Jews, not just the ones in Susa, but like even because some had already gone back to Israel at that time. Um, they were allowed to go back. And so that would have included all of them, the whole entire Jewish race. Um, and so Mordecai, when he finds out the plot, he makes straight for Esther because he knew, he followed the favor, right? He knew that God would have placed her there in order to save the Jews. So she, he knew she had favor and influence. Um, so he instructs her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and to plead with him for her people. And this is where we kind of are, are leaving off. And so, well, Esther's first reply was like, no way. Like, I can die. Do you not realize that? Like, I have not been summoned to the king in 30 days. If I go before him not summoned, like, I could lose my head. Like, unless he says that I can come. So he, she's like, whoa, 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 Mordecai, I don't know. That seems a little bit uncomfortable. Seems a little too dangerous. And so, but I can't fault Esther because how many times have we done that, you know, just with the Lord of like, Lord, that's just too uncomfortable. I might have to die to my flesh. I don't know if I can do it. It's, it's too scary. But like what God, what God wants us to see in this story, what Esther didn't see in that moment was that like God's plan when he asks us to, asks us to be obedient and to do things out of our comfort zone and to um, step out in faith is that he sees the salvation of many lives. And so we've got to start having these thoughts that when God asks us to do something, it's not always just about us in that moment. Yes, like he breaks off the fear of man and we get to see him. But he's like, if you would just believe me, you would see my glory and see my salvation right? So I want us to be a people that our first response isn't fear, but it's faith that we serve a God who is trying to save lives, and he wants to use our influence and favor that we get from him so that people would come into his kingdom, right? He has a greater plan and purpose. He doesn't just want you to be uncomfortable, right? There's more to it. There's more to what God's asking you to do. And so I just release right now the vision of heaven that when he asks you to do something uncomfortable and to step out of your um, comfort zone, that you would not have any fear. I just impart that to y'all right now, that you'd have a spirit of boldness because you know God's purpose is to save many lives, right? Like he is coming with the gospel so that you guys would step into that place. Um, 
And so the second part of this, which I love about Mordecai, um, he was kind of sassy to Esther because she basically was like, go reply back to Mordecai. I can't do this. I'm going to die. And when the flesh dies, it's really painful, right? Well, Mordecai, um, he comes in response to her and is just like, do you think that if you don't stand up for the Jews that you and your family will be saved? He was like, you are not excluded from that. And he like gives her this revelation of like, who do you think that you are? Like this, like you too will perish with your family if you do not stand up for righteousness and justice of God's chosen people, God's covenant. Um, And so what I love about it is what we see in Esther is that it wasn't just about Esther. It wasn't even just about the people of her time, but it was about a covenant that was established with the nation of Israel that a righteous king would come from them and his scepter shall not depart. It was about me and you. That's how far in advance God sees, right? We need the vision of heaven to see that far in advance. Even the things 2020 has been really crazy. Well, we want to have the vision for 10 years from now. What God, what are you doing? You see far greater. And then it helps give us faith and be activated that Esther, her decision affected you and me, her moment of boldness, but she had to get there first. And so I love Mordecai because I think he actually shows a really big picture of God's heart and what we do to him sometimes. Um, And so he like tries to convince her, right? He's like, this is what will happen if you don't stand up for righteousness and justice. Um, And sometimes I feel like in our life, we are trying to convince God, right? We're trying to convince him to move. We're trying to convince him to show up. We're trying to convince him to save our family member. We're trying to convince him to heal. We're trying to convince him to raise the dead, right? But all of those things, the salvation, all that's wrapped up in salvation was his idea. So God, we're not trying to convince God. God's trying to convince us, right? Like it's a, like I was talking about two weeks ago, it's a faith thing, right? So Mordecai was trying to convince Esther that it would be better for her if she was bold and actually stood for something. She stood for righteousness and justice. And so I just want that to, that us is that it's like when you're doing this stuff, we need to stop trying to convince God, right? Like start asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to convince me of that I'm not believing? So if things aren't happening in our life, we don't want to try to convince God. Like these, all these good things are his idea, right? So it's like, give us the faith, Lord, help our unbelief because he wants it more than we do, right? Like God had made a covenant promise. And in this moment with Esther, he was like, no, I don't care what edict by man was given, what harmful news was being spread about. But like, I am the God of covenant and I have greater purposes and plans and I'm the God of providence. So even for us, like we know the end of the book is going to be fulfilled, right? And so we want to have this revelation of Jesus and what he says and what the Bible says is going to happen, right? The truth that we stand on. Um, So one of the things that we see in this moment too is Esther had a... Esther had a choice. She could have easily said, I'm not doing it, right? Um, We have choices. Like, God's never going to make us to do something. Mordecai even tells her, if you don't do this, God will raise somebody else up. 
But what that sparks in me is this fire, especially, right, we're in this time, we're, we're praying for revival. We're praying that God would move, that we would see signs and wonders. Well, like, what that sparks in me is that I want to be on the first wave of revival. I don't want revival to come and me to have been too scared to come to the shoreline, that I miss it, right? That I miss the first waves of what's coming. And so I want to release that to y'all, that we would be a body that goes up to the shore and we are waiting and we are calling on the Lord, but our toes are already in the water. We don't care. We're not afraid, but this wave is coming and I want to be on the first wave. I don't want to miss it. And so I just pray that for us, that we would have this hunger to not miss opportunity, right? Like when we go out, when we go to outreach, when we go to the grocery store, don't miss the opportunities, right? Don't miss them. Choose faith. Jesus is with you. The fear of man, it doesn't matter. And we're going to get into that with Esther, but it doesn't. I just break it off of us in the name of Jesus because he is the only true king. And we want to be a part of what God is doing. I know I do, so I just release that as a corporate body that when revival hits Athens, we're on that first wave. We're not waiting for people to convince us, right? Because God has already convinced us of what he can do, that we don't have to watch the first wave of revival hit for us to believe that people can be healed. We don't have to watch for that first wave of revival to hit to believe that people can be raised from the dead and that blind eyes can see and the deaf will hear, right? Like we are a people that will be part of that first wave because God has already convinced us that we've already gone through that. So I'm excited. I'm excited that I get to be a part of this body because I really believe that's God's word is that we are going to be a part of that first wave, that we are not going to miss our opportunities. And Travis and Jessica are leading the awakening. The awakening is being led to be on that first wave. And I'm so excited. I declare it in Jesus name. But what we have to do is also not miss the opportunities, but we have to realize what we stand for. Like, are we too scared of man and the laws of man that we can't stand up for righteousness? And this has been, even this weekend, I don't know how many of y'all got to watch the return yesterday. It was so powerful. Um, I got to watch it with Stephen Shelley Smith had um, a prayer time at, and watched it live at Cornerstone. And immediately when I showed up, I mean, I just started weeping because the presence of God was so thick in that room. And we just sat there and we all just wept together and we just felt God and God's heart. Um, and so God's heart is righteousness and justice. Like we'll get into it again. Like the scepter of Jesus's kingdom is justice. And so we have to stand up. Like what do we think just because we're in America, we can escape persecution unless we stand up for justice and righteousness? Like, do we think that China is so far removed from us that communism couldn't affect us? But that's not true, right? Like, Esther had that moment. If she wouldn't have stood for righteousness and justice and been firm on those things, then, like, who knows, right? Like, maybe God would have saved the Jews, but she may have still perished. So it's like God is even teaching me that right now. Is that it's no time. And Mordecai tells her, now is not the time to be silent, and so God is teaching me that, that it's like, what do I stand for? And the best thing that we can stand for is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anything that comes against the truth of the gospel, like we have to stand up against it. When you have coworkers who are blaspheming the one true God that we serve, it is not okay. And like, he is teaching me that, that like, what do I fear man? 
that I shouldn't tell him what is right and wrong when my God has showed me the way of life? Do I not believe in the way of life that I couldn't offer it to somebody else? That I couldn't tell them and open up their eyes and believe that God's righteousness wants to come and come to this nation. But I have to stand for something. And also, too, what we were saying earlier about the nations is that, like, what we, what we stand for here, we are standing for other people. We're standing for the other believers who are being persecuted in China and India. So uh, by us taking a stance for the gospel in America actually is a ripple effect that's going to go out to the nations. And so we have to believe that and we have to wake up. I'm waking up. Like, I'm waking up to this. And so um, if we stay asleep and afraid before we know it, Haman's will have gotten the upper hand on our watch. And we don't want that, right? Like, God has appointed us as watchmen in this city. Like, what are we going to let our city be overtaken by Haman's edicts to annihilate Christians, annihilate the gospel? No, like, God is like, wake up my people to the providence of what I'm doing and come get on board. Because, like, you will see my salvation. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Like, that is a promise that we carry. So we don't have to be afraid. I love, like, the theme. The theme of yesterday was humble yourself and I will heal your land um, in Second Chronicles. But so what we see in the moment is that Esther having that choice, what does she do? Well, Esther humbles herself. Like, right, she's like, you know what? It sits with her. Mordecai's words sit and sink in. And she ponders them. Um, and so I think for us, it was like, in that moment, Esther had to, one, realize, like, who God was. But she had to step into her identity. Before she could go into, like, what God had for her, she had to know who she was. Like, right, she was not a Persian girl. She was Jewish. And, like, she had a covenant covenantal promise being fulfilled through her. Like that was God's plan for her. Um, and so for us, it's like believing that God can use us. Though we were orphans and we were like, you know, he has brought us in. But just because of all of that, like you have to believe that God can use you. God can use you in this city to change it. God can use you in the school systems to change that. God can use you in your classroom to change it and be revival. It, like that, I just like really feel that from the Lord, that today God wants you to know that he is going to use you. Like that is what this is about, right? That we get to partner with him in his salvation story. Um, so we all play a role in this providence of God, and we just got to step into it by knowing who we are, by believing all the promises that we have, that like Travis said, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. So that's what I was talking about, faith, two weeks ago. When you have faith and believe, then we can step into who we are and really experience the power of God, right? So we're going to get into this where it happens with Esther, but I mean, for us, it's like when we step into that and we step into the belief system in who we are, God can really use us and move through us because he wants to, right? Your belief system is the whole foundation is Christ in you. And Christ in you is greater than he who is in the world. So you can do the impossible. You can change the city. Like, let's rejoice and be happy that God would choose us. Like, who are we? Who are we but orphans? that he came and rescued and saved and put us in majesty and 
splendor and our garments of royalty. Like you are a holy people, a royal priesthood. Like it is time that the church knows who they are because God is putting people in specific places of influence and favor. And like, I wanna be one of those people that I am royalty. When I go to work, like I'm just not, you know, oh, Brittany from Virginia, grew up in Lawrenceville. No, like I am a child of God. I am a daughter who has been crowned with the oil of gladness and joy and that I walk in power. I walk in the manifestation of healing. Like all of these things, I break down strongholds. Every time I open up my mouth, miracles can happen because that is Christ in us. And so I just want to be encouraged by that. Um, Esther, she calls a three-day fast, right? So she's humbling herself. She's believing that God can use her and what she can do. And she calls a fast um, before she goes to the Lord. And so I love this because even while we're fasting, like a part of fasting is asking. So Esther's about to go ask something from the king. Like she's about to go, quote unquote, disturb the king because she hasn't been summoned. Not that we disturb the Lord, but you know, in the story. And she calls a fast. She's like preparing herself. And, I, and for us, fasting is a tool, right? That God has given us. Jesus did it perfectly, right? Amen to anyone who's ever done a 40-day fast. Um, but with that, it's a tool for us that God is giving the church right in this season to ask and receive. It's just a part of it. Like fasting is just a part of humbling ourselves that we might ask and receive because it's emptying ourselves that we might be filled only with the Lord. Because sometimes when you get into asking and you're full of yourself, you ask apart from the will of God. But when you fast and you humble yourself, you are emptying yourself and your flesh's desire so that it can be in partnership with the kingdom of heaven and you shall receive what you're asking for. So we want to make sure our hearts and our motives through humbling ourselves, fasting, prayer, all of those things, spending time with the Lord is so that the motive of our heart is pure. Like we don't want to do anything with an impure heart because only a pure of heart shall see God. So like if we're going to see God move and we're going to be a part of his salvation in this revival, then we have to have a pure heart. And let me tell you, he gets my motives all the time. And so in that, just like ask the Lord for a clean heart. Humble yourself to just go. See if there's any offensive way in me, David says, and lead me in the way everlasting. It's a beautiful prayer. I pray all the time. Jesus, see if there's any offensive way in me. Because things that I don't think offense, are offensive or sinful, he actually like gets really deep and he gets it out because he wants you to see him. All of it's to see his glory. It's not that you could be, so you can be better, that you can get the glory, but it's that he would be magnified and glorified inside of you and through all the things that you do. Um, so the last defining moment is, wraps up like the end of the story. Again, we're just taking an aerial view. Um, so Esther puts on her royal garments. She gets ready to come before the king. And right before that, I love that. When she made the decision after, while she was fasting, she goes, I'm going to go before the king, and if I perish, I perish. That's actually my favorite verse in the whole book, right? Like Mordecai says, for such a time as this, we are, we are living in for such a time as this moments, right? Because of what Daniel Kalinda says, that, you know what? Christ may not come back for another thousand years, but this is your end times. You're only here for a short amount of time. So regardless of when Christ comes back, this is your end times. This is for your such a time as this moment. Um, and so I love this. She goes, I, if I perish, I perish. 
right? So sometimes you got to tell yourself, if God's asking you to do something, like um, we want an outreach on Wednesday, we worship downtown Athens. That definitely will kill your flesh, right? Like all these cars are driving by and like we're just worshiping the Lord. And like, but the best thing, sometimes you got to tell yourself, if I die, I die. It's fine, right? Because we have a promise of resurrected life. But whatever we do, like, it's okay if we die. It's okay if our flesh dies. It is very painful, but like by the grace of God, we have promise of resurrected life. So sometimes to give us some of our encouragement, we gotta take that line from Esther. And if I perish, I perish. So what? Because Jesus has overcome death. So like I need, to, and he says like, he has come to save people who all their lives have been in fear of dying. Right, that's what the Bible says. So like, we need to not be afraid of dying, whatever that's dying to, you know, because like, that's where the most joy is in dying because like, we get more of Jesus. When we are weak, he is strong. Um, so Esther, she goes into the inner courts before the king where he was seated on his throne. Um, and it says, when the king saw Esther, he was pleased with her and he held out the golden scepter and she touched the tip of it and she came into his presence. Um, David in Psalm 5 says, By your great love, I can come into your house, and that you surround the righteous with favor like a shield. Like, ooh, Jesus. Um, Hebrews 1.8 says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus has the scepter, the one true scepter. It's a promise given to the tribe of Judah that it shall not depart from him. So this edict was coming against that covenantal blessing to the tribe of Judah that Jesus would have come out to get the scepter that shall not depart from his kingdom. And it is a scepter of justice. And I love that. Um, And we get to touch that, right? Like justice is the act of accomplishing righteousness. So like that's what justice means, right? So justice is accomplishing righteousness. So for us, when we touch Jesus's scepter, right? Because we're coming in faith of who he is, like he makes us right with God. Like that's, we've been justified. That's what justified means is that we've been made right with God through Christ's blood. Um, And so he has made us right with God and we have favor in the courts and we can ask of God. Like this is where we're gonna like, go home with because this is the most joyous thing ever is that we would have favor with the king of kings and that we might enter into his courts um and ask of god like who are we that we can ask of god who created us who gave us life and breath who said to the mountains be moved and they move who said to the waters be parted and they are parted like who are we that we get to ask like that is so humbling Yet the strength that we get of the Holy Spirit is like, heck yeah, you do. You get to go ask how joyous of occasion that is that we might enter into the throne room of God and we should have expectation of him. Um, So Xerxes, how does he respond? Um, I love this because Esther comes, he found, she found favor in his eyes and he goes, What is your request? And all the love and favor, he goes, what is your request? For I shall give you up to half the kingdom. And that was just meant as to be like, whatever you ask, I am in a generous mood because you have found favor in my eyes. 
And that's the same for us is that God wants to be generous to you. He wants to be generous to me. He wants to be generous to this church, to this city, to this nation. Like he longs to be generous to us. But we, as we step and walk into favor, it releases God's generosity when we believe that we have favor. And we actually write, Esther had to go into the presence of the king. So God's calling us into his presence so that he could be generous to us. That that's why we have everything we need because God longs to be it for you. Whatever you need, you ask for it because we have that promise. We have that delight of the king on our lives. Um, and so getting into that, it's really interesting to me too that Esther, she didn't all of a sudden just blurt out her request before the king, right? She actually didn't say, oh man, there's this terrible edict that's going to now like kill all the Jews. I'm actually Jewish. Can you please help me? She wasn't hasty with her words. She actually, what she does instead is she invites the king to a banquet where she could then present her request there. Um, and so for us, I feel like the Lord, and there's more to it, but um, that he is calling us to prepare a more intimate place with him. Right, so we, we have gone into the throne room, but I feel like there's just more. And I feel like the Lord is like, but there is a banquet hall that I want my people to be a part of, that to prepare a banquet hall in their hearts for me. Because when I'm in the most intimate place, that's where rest is. Jesus says that, it says that Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples. Like they were around a table. They were, they were in this banquet celebration. And I feel like we can make that a place in our hearts for the Lord, right? We go to the upper courts. We go and plead for the Lord. But I really feel like there's places in our hearts that he's wanting to just say, like, make a banquet for me. Like, let me come recline with you. Go, let me go into the most intimate parts of you and reside. That we might be intimate with one another, right? Like that would have been going, Esther taking him into hosting a banquet for him would have been a way more intimate place than in the throne room. And that's our promise, right? Like we get a banquet at the end of the ages to feast with Jesus. It's the marriage supper, but we get it now in our hearts and God wants it in our hearts first. He's prepared that banquet for us in heaven, but he's asking us to prepare a place for him in our heart where that he can come recline and rest and give us strategy. Like I even see him now, like just sitting down with you, giving strategy to you of how to live in these days, giving you wisdom and also giving you all the food that you need, giving you everything that you need. And it's just that this relationship is so personal. Like God is a personal God. Like we don't want to just like know him from other people or know him just like um, vicariously through the word as we just read it once a week. But it's like, we want to know his heart. We want to know the deeper things about him because it's a joyous place, right? When you get a, when a banquet's a happy place. Like it's a place where joy overflows, like the cup of wine overflows, like everything is overflow, right? Jewish people did banquets big, like they weren't small little parties, like they were sometimes days long, right? Like we, that's what we want with the Lord. Um, and so at the end, um, the king amends the edict and it says that the Bible, or the Bible says in Esther that the city held a joyous celebration and the psalm says, by God's favor, our horn is exalted. Like by the favor of God to change and use us for influence. 
is that like our horn of salvation is exalted. So just like faith, favor produces joy. Like it was a joyous celebration what had happened. Is that, that and that's what I feel like, um, you know, gonna happen in our nation is that we um, asked yesterday, we asked of the king, we pleaded for mercy. We've been pleading for mercy. If you've been a part of that firewall, it's been so amazing. But like, we've been pleading for mercy from God on our nation in this world. And it's like, what favor does is then it produces joy because we get to see God move and respond to our pleas. Like that is so amazing. And that's where joy comes from. Jesus said, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And I love this because if you are not joyful, it's probably because you're not asking enough. Like when we ask of God and we ask in his will, like we are so joyful. He says, ask that you're so that your joy may be full. So like, I know for me, I've had some breakthrough in the past couple of months, but the Lord's just like telling me, because it's like, you know, in the presence of the King is fullness of joy, right? Because we get to ask and he would be generous to us. And so I've started to ask the Lord for more, right? Like I want more belief. Like I want more of you, God. I want your gifts of your spirit that you may be glorified. And in that, and asking for more of the Lord and hungering and thirsting after him, I have received so much joy in getting in his presence. Get in the king's presence because there's fullness of joy. And ask with your heart, let the Holy Spirit intercede for you because you will be made full. And I, even on the way over here, I was just spending time with the Lord this morning and I was so full of joy. I told the Lord, I said, I'm so filled with joy. I could burst into confetti right now. Like, that is what happens. It's like he just produces this in us. And oh man, come on, Lord. He, um, he says like, I love Psalms too, that whatever we ask, we receive, right? And so you receive not because you ask not. So I just release the, the blessing to ask of the Lord. Like start asking him for things in your life and um, he shall give it to you. But um, in Psalm 45, it's a wedding song. But um, it says, our king has been set above his companions because he has been anointed with the oil of joy. Why was Jesus set apart above his companions? Because he was anointed with the oil of joy. How are we set apart from our world? We should be the most joyful people. Like when we go into a store, we bring joy. We release it unto people. When you go into a house, you bless that house, release it into that family. Like you have the power to release joy, but it only comes by getting into the presence of God, abiding in that presence, because outside of it is not the fullness of joy. And then you also ask, right? So when we go to somebody and pray for their healing, one, we're believing we're doing it in the fullness of God and it's his presence, right? Because we can't heal apart from God's presence. We can't see miracle signs and wonders. So God's calling us to carry his presence, but then we ask of the king. And our joy is made complete because God will heal that person. God will deliver that person. God's going to raise the dead. And like, how joyful is that? Like when, you know what happens, like when someone gets healed, how happy are we? We celebrate, right? It's a joyful thing when God shows up and moves and when he does what he says he's going to do. That's why we ask. If we're not asking, then your eyes are blind to what God can do and what he's going to do. Because if you didn't ask for it, how are you going to be start thinking about it? So when God does it, you're not even going to attribute it to God. That's what asking does. Because how fun is it when we've asked God for stuff and it happens and you're like, God, that was so you. I prayed that. I asked you for that. And you answered, 
right? So we need to start getting more involved in asking of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it is going to set you free. If you feel like you've had a bad attitude, I just declare over you right now, start asking the Lord for more. Start asking more for his presence, his Holy Spirit, his gifts, and you, all that will break off and you are going to have the power of joy that it is going to be made full in you. Um, so just the, towards the end of the story, um, one last point in this defining moment of Esther I thought was also really interesting is that after the king, she tells the king at the banquet everything that was going to happen, who she was, and the king got really upset at Haman. You know, Haman's like on his pathway to get killed because he was so upset, right? Like God is going to defeat his enemies. But, um, the edict in that time, it didn't just go away. It wasn't just burned. It wasn't thrown in the trash, right? Like the king couldn't just do away with it. There had to be an amendment to it. And so, but what I thought the Lord wanted to say to us, so Mordecai had to actually write the amendment to this edict. And the amendment was, was that this was still going to happen. There was still a day of annihilation of Jews, but now the Jews could actually defend themselves so they could have weapons and they could fight against themselves. So that was the amendment that was made. And I felt like the Lord had something in there for us that he wants us to be a people that is active in participation with his victory, right? Like he could have just done away with the edict, but actually the joyous occasion came because the amendment to the edict was read and they were like, oh, we have hope. We can defend ourselves. And actually what happened was that when that day came, they overtook their enemies and they were feared by the people. That's what favor does is we get victory and then we get honor from the, the world and they start fearing our God. Like that's what happens when we step into favor. Um, and so I want to like us to wake up to the victories that God has prepared for us. So when the Bible says like the good works he has prepared, prepared in advance for us to do, these are the victories that God has prepared for us to be a part of, right? Like whenever there's a good work, it's a victory of something. If you have a good work to, to heal somebody, I keep going back to healing, but like someone, you pray for somebody's leg and it gets healed of pain, that's a victory in Christ. Like that's good work equals victory. So God wants us to be active participants in his victories, right? He doesn't want us to be asleep. He wants us to wake up. Um, through Jesus, we can demolish strongholds, cast out demons, heal the lame, open up the blind eyes, like all of these victories because we have the favor of the king to ask and receive. Um, and so he's calling us intercessors to come before him and make intercession, make pleas before him that when we go into the presence of the king, it has a ripple effect. And I said this earlier, but like when we get into the king's presence, it has the ability to change the world. Like there is nothing more beautiful than intercession with the king because like we can't change anything on our own, right? Like God still, it was up to him, like a king, even Esther, the king still had to make the ultimate decision. He had the final say, but for us, what it does is we get to be a part of it and that God knows the best thing. But like when we get into his presence, like you are world changers. Like what you pray and intercede for here can affect some, someone else in like another country. It can affect a government, right? So as we pray for the nation here, let's pray for all the nations. Like 
God tells Jesus, like, pray, ask for the nations and I will give them to you as your inheritance. Well, if Jesus lives inside of us, we can ask for the same thing. Is that, Lord, give us the nations as our inheritance. And na- the nations that your scepter would rule and reign with justice and righteousness. And Jesus would be made known as king. And there would be healing that would come to the land. Um, because we are getting into the presence of God. Um, Again, I encourage you guys to read Psalm 45, the wedding song. But Jesus is our King and our Lord. We are his bride. We are married to the most righteous, only true King, a King who will never fail, who is abounding in love, compassion for us, and mercy. And I really feel um, 